Hey folks, Ted here. Uh, before we get into the show, I just want to apologize for the quality of the audio that you guys are about to hear. Uh, we had a bit of a snafu with our normal recording method for the podcast that gives you uh, the better, higher quality audio you've come to expect from the RFG Refugees podcast. Uh, so unfortunately, because of those issues, uh, we had to rely on the audio where uh, from the stream, uh, which is not as good, and I we apologize for that. Uh, still enjoy the show. If you want to just skip ahead, if you if you don't want to um, to deal with it, uh, we understand. Skip ahead to minute forty seven thirty, and you will hear our interview with Julian Gressel, which sounds much much better. Uh, so thank you all again so much for listening. We promise we will uh, do better next time. With that being said, enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, our Refugees podcast. Ted here, John here. Seeing those pictures of Audi Field reminds me that I will be making my triumphant return to Audi Field on Saturday. I'm very, very excited. John, how are you doing, my friend? Are you ready for uh, Are you ready for Saturday? Are you going up to the game? I we'll see. We'll now. see. It's in the hands <laughs> of people who make decisions that I can't influence. So potentially, <laughs> maybe not. We'll see. You got you to gotta just tell them. You got you to gotta, you gotta have a dad like me. Who who who's a soccer fan? So you can just use that. Oh, it's, here's your father's day gift. We're gonna go for a game. I could that, do that. That's instead, I will. Instead, I will just use this podcast to. They know who they are. Let <laughs> let me in. I am the I am the meme. I am shaking at. I'm shaking the gate. I'm the what's his name? Eric Andre. That's me. Let me. Eric in. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, how was your weekend? Did you partake in the smorgasbord of soccer uh, that we had on our hands? Oh, quite. Yes, yes, indeed. I have been, uh, I think I said in the last show that I'm going to be watching soccer every single second of every single day. That's not been yep. too far off, aside from like, you no. know, doing my job and whatnot. But other than that, like, uh, as, as you can see, I'm actually podcasting and, and watching soccer technically kind of. Uh, yes, <laughs> you got Bolivia and Paraguay up there. Yes. I I, so just a quick aside, uh, John's betting corner, because I can't resist. Yesterday, I had a three game, I had a three team parlay, picked all the winners one money good money today the the biggest mistake john hoffman makes betting is that when he wins he thinks he's smart and then immediately bets <laughs> it's not that you got lucky it's that you're smart and that you're very good so i made another bet today and i got all three results wrong not even one right i got all of them wrong don't don't, don't ask me why i picked scotland to win i think poland is it poland's well, a reasonable pick spain is a reasonable pick but yes both wrong Man, talk about we we get the I think this week this, this tournament is definitely going on an uphill. I feel like it started out very kind of middling. Uh, there were some interesting games, some blowouts, and then it was like we got uh, we got Netherlands versus Ukraine, and it was like suddenly it's just gone up from there. We had a guy um, almost die. Well, technically did die on well, the field, and then on uh, well, became undead. So there lots of things happened. This is the tournament. Well, this is a noteworthy tournament. We'll get to that. Yes, I was not including that in my in my, my list. Of <laughs> but it happened. Things. I'm just saying, notable <laughs> yeah. information, things that happened. It did happen. We'll, we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, we are a U.S. centered, U.S. focused podcast. Even on top of that, but we'll have DC, to expand uh, on these weeks. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to expand up. Um, so we did have we of course in the international break, DC United returned to the field uh, on on saturday uh we will not have a play we will not have a team preview instead we'll have an interview with moses nyman 
coming up next week. I think I think we're, you know, as much as we appreciate our guest, I don't think there's much really to expand upon <laughs> when you play the same team twice in the in the same week. So go so go back, go back and listen to the to the uh, to the other show. And, go to and, go to rfkrefugees.com. There will be there will be a write up on there. I am yes. reasonably certain of a preview, but I don't I think you're right. I don't think we need to have a full it's yes, like last uh, time, but uh, uh, you know we want three points bet at home. That's the that's the big difference. Everything else is the same. They probably will play this. They'll probably not play the formation they played last time. They'll probably play the formation they played every other game except until that one. <laughs> I think that's yeah. probably the way they'll start. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll go in a chronological order. Obviously, we already reviewed the USA Mexico uh, Nations League win for the United States over that. Uh, we then had, of course, a a a friendly game that sort of came up: U.S. versus Costa Rica, uh, a four nothing win, and kind of a. Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there that that were like, oh, you know, oh wow, Costa Rica's back. I think their coach got fired after this game, right? He was let go pretty soon after that. this game. Yeah, so I think I, it was after this game or right around this game he was let go. Uh, so you know, a team that I think suffered a disappointing Nations League. I think they you know came inches away. So obviously, uh, you know. Things are down, but I think it was an opportunity with uh, for a couple of players, Gerald DK, Eunice Munsa, uh, both looked really good in this game, and, and they were kind of the, the players that were the the talk of, I guess, the, the late talk of the summer. Obviously, Eunice Munsa uh, making the decision to join the United States uh, over England, I believe. So that was a that was a big deal, and he did not make an appearance in the and Nations that, League. Anymore. And the reason behind that came out after the fact is that after he signed his extension, does he play for Valencia? Is that who he plays for in yes. Spain? Uh, yes. He basically sucked. <laughs> so he signed his extension and then the coach was like, oh, you're bad now. What happened? Did you break? Uh, and then he played, I think, maybe eight or nine games after after he signed his extension early on in the season. So that's part of why he did not play. But they he got an opportunity to play uh, in the friendly mm -hmm. and, did, and did well. I think that he's he's obviously a part of the plan. It's not going to be one of those players yeah. they cap once and then throw in the throw in the truck. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people are kind of freaking out, I guess, a little bit. Everybody's like, why, why haven't we capped him yet? We need to cap him. We should have him out there. He should be capped. Everybody take a chill pill. Relax. It's okay. He will He will get, I, I guarantee you, in one of these, either Gold Cup or if he, if he does play for the Gold Cup, I, there's a lot of uh, controversy about who's going to play there. I think Gio Reyna is out for the Gold Cup. But we got Gold Cup. We got World Cup qualifiers. I would hedge a good bet that he will make he will make at least an appearance out there for one of those games, especially when you've got three games. I think uh, there was, of course, a lot of, you know, we had, Zach Steffen go down. I think that played a role in it. Maybe he makes an appearance uh, if that doesn't happen. Uh, He's not seriously injured, right? Did that that came out that he was not? It wasn't a big serious injury for him. I I hadn't gotten an update yet. I hadn't heard an update. I think it was not. I think I it was not a tear of anything. Yeah, I mean, trust my thinking that I saw something on Twitter. That <laughs> that is the extent. So if any if anybody in the chat has a Zach Steffen injury update news that's accurate, instead of me just feeling like I heard something, that's uh that's fine to do. Please feel free to take us that. Yeah, maybe a produ producer will bone bruise. Producer says bone bruise. There you bruise. go. Yeah, that's not that's not, not a serious. Yes, <laughs> very good. Considering how that looked, I think that's I think that's that's very good. Uh, but I, I do want to of course make a mention Daryl DK. Uh, former University of Virginia player, so I got to bring that up. Uh, so he's over here about an hour away right now with me in Lynchburg. So Harold DK, uh, as tall as Taylor Corniak. Uh, <laughs> so we'd say we'd say it that direction, the other direction. So that's uh, he he scored a goal. Yes, he, uh, he did. He I, you know, I think we talked about this offline or sort of not on the show, but like he, I feel like he's a strong bet to on seat Josh Sargent. Uh, yeah. As the, as the star, I mean, he's obviously got to keep playing. He's got to continue to perform and be and be firing on all cylinders for the Gold Cup. But I think if he goes and has a good tournament, Josh Sargent has to uh, overcome him, no matter what yeah. he's playing. 
And it's not, it's not, it's, it's really not about where, where Josh Sargent plays versus where Dylan DK plays. And I, I feel like there, there are, there are the, there are the U.S. soccer fan Euro snobs, and that's what I'm going to call them. They are, they are Euro snobs who feel that just by being a part of a European team, that means you're somewhat, you're better, you're a better choice than the, um, than the, uh, by the way, speaking of Livy, I just remembered something that I did not have in my rundown, and I'm kicking myself for it. We're going to get to that in a moment. Definitely going to get to that. Um, what a tease. <laughs> yes, what a tease. I think, I think you, should, you should be able to guess what it is. I don't but know. Anyway. <laughs> oh, come on. Bone right. bruises. I, 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 when, when I say it, you're going to be a Okay. Anyway, right. Back to what I was saying. Back to what I was saying. Uh, Gerald DK. Uh, he play, he is, right now, he is on fire. He looks like a guy who who is a striker. And I think that's where he's been playing. So I think he was able to step in and be very comfortable. Uh, it's really not about who's playing. It's about who, who looks the best. And uh, Daryl DK is probably going to be playing in Europe. I would guess maybe within a year, I'm going to say that's a pretty safe bet. He'll be in Europe. Uh, we, a lot of, uh, if you're listening and you somehow think that just because you're in on a European roster, you should be automatic starter. I've seen some of those ideas and thoughts. Uh, let me tell you that that's completely that's a completely uh, farcical belief. Uh, you should have the best players out there. It's not about having the let's say it's not about having the, the best players, but having the right players. And if and if you have one player that has clearly had a better season, and another player who did, I think I don't think anybody complained about how he looked for uh, uh, for Werder Bremen, but they did go down. Uh, they did be they were relegated, so I think that's something that should take into account. Not to say Josh Sargent can't retake that position and show and show the talent that he has, but he better I, score I a butt yeah. ton of goals in two Bundesliga. Then that, that's that's what I would have to say about that. <laughs> you better like that league up. Yeah, that's yeah. just basically. I think that was a running joke last like last year when they were like 17th and they had to play in the playoffs. Like I think like Matt Doyle was like, oh man, he's gonna light up Bundesliga too. So who's your boy? Who's your boy on uh, Erta Berlin? Or was it Erta or uh, the guy, the American? Oh, guy Matthew Hoppe. He's yeah. he, he he's rumored to be being sniffed about by a whole bunch of teams. I don't but... as he should, as he should. He should he should get the heck out of Schalke and Schalke should be willing to sell him uh because they are gonna need to get every penny they can get with their team going down. Um, I am sure that they will situation. Uh, yes. other, uh, some Bundesliga teams, other European clubs, uh, I'm trying to say there's specific names. There's not. So he is, he's being, he's being looked at Italy also. Yes. So yeah, he'll be gone. Probably, probably, the, only any player, probably the only player on Schalke who's getting, who's getting looked at at this point. Probably. Um, but I'd be curious, and I'd be curious to see if, if Hoppy maybe makes an appearance at the Gold Cup. I think that could be, that could be a good, a good chance for him maybe to get his some second minutes. cap. He's already been yeah. capped once. It'll be his second appearance if he does that. Yeah. Do we, All right, let's do we have I'm looking the rundown. We don't have gold cup roster selection on here. Let's talk quickly about uh sort of the DC United element of what a gold cup roster could look like. Do we think Paul Ariola makes an appearance, depending on obviously form and health? Um, yes. I think if you looked, I think if you looked at the players on the field in his position in those games, I think you saw that his skill set could have helped the team. They did fine, obviously. Clearly, they 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 won their games. Uh, but from my from my mind, I think that he would he played better than the players that were in his position. What do you think? I I, I think we'll definitely see him out there. Um, I don't I don't see any reason why we wouldn't. Um, I think you're going to see some European players uh, that are not going to that are not going to be there. I think they're going to be. It's going to be more important for them to be with their club teams, uh, getting minutes. A player like Christian Pulisic, he's. I don't I don't think you. I think you use this Gold Cup as an opportunity. Yes, it's a trophy to win. 
Uh, but you need to build out depth. You need to see who you're going to have. You're, you're talking about World Cup qualifying being uh, being three uh, three games essentially uh, a, a cycle. That's usually it's just two. That's going to be an extensive amount of traveling, uh, extensive amount of games. Uh, so you're going to need a full roster. So I think it's yeah. an opportunity to build depth. Honestly, I'm fine leaving Christian at home. I feel like uh, I feel like Chelsea are going to have 100 billion games. So if he gets a little bit of a break this summer. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not be uh, opposed. Yeah, to that. yeah, and and I think after what we just saw in Euro, there, there's going to be some discussion about the amount yep. of games that we put through players through. Um, not that we know whether it had any impact on it, but I think it's certainly going to be a conversation that, that's going to be had. Um, I, I don't know if there are any other any other players that we would expect from DC no. other than Paul. Um, I, I don't. Maybe Bill. Maybe. I don't know no. if he made the preliminary roster. I think he's. Oh. I think he. I think he might be a little hosed uh, by his injury here. He. I think he was. I think he had his call and he had, a, he had an appearance. I honestly almost feel like that. That that call and an appearance was sort of like a mea culpa for how he got sort of passed over in in the prior regime, but mm-hmm. not saying like you're our future. Like I, I think I think that there are enough um, guys at his age now. He's he's older now. He's 27, 28. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like still, he, still, still, certainly still, for a goalie, yeah, for a goalie, he's got, he's got another, another roll through. But as far as like, you look at players in the international, particularly goalies, like in age brackets, um, uh, you've got like your young developing players that you're, that you're thinking, you know, five, seven years down the line, you want to get them in camp. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your Marchinkowski's for instance, like those, those players that you, that you play the under, under 20 level uh, he's in, a bill is in the uh, has to be at his at like peak prime. Like if you if you're at your peak prime playing in a good place, um, you're gonna start. It, but it, I think if bill, he, it, if bill was out there starting for a European club, he would probably be pretty close to the. To I think that's true. And I think I think I think he certainly has that ability. I I just think right now you're looking at this team also starting over. Um, and I think right now with with what Ethan Horvath showed. Uh, yeah. that, that even kind of really sealed sealed the deal as far as I think where he is. And, that was a shovel um, of dirt. You know, that was a shovel yeah. of dirt on top of Bill, I think, unfortunately. From and I, you know, you know, you talk about Bill's ability to play internationally or play, you know, in your in Europe as a starter. I almost would kind of like to see him do that one more time. I feel like he's still young enough now. I would like him to see have a, have a good full season of healthy soccer here. I don't want to lose him. I think from a perspective, we talked about how bad this team is without him in net. But you got a plan. You got a plan for the future anyway. And you got to start figure out what the plan B is going to be. If he if he were to test himself from a, as like a fan perspective, I think that would be exciting for me to see him because his first experience went horribly, and I think he pulled the shoot on it very quickly when he saw that he was not the manager's favorite, and he had two guys in front of him that could that were playing. So that's just you know an aside. I think a bill, unless he really really does not want to leave again, and if he, if he's fully content for life not doing it then awesome. We'll take him for as long as he wants to play. We'll take him yeah. to his 37. I mean, uh, but I, I mean, in theory, I mean, in DC, I mean, he, I would say we've got a good five, six years. I mean, that's goalkeepers can last a lot longer. Um, at least that's a five or six years. At least he can go certainly much longer. Of his prime. I'm saying, yeah, yeah right. Of his, yeah. Of his prime. Yeah. Yeah. We're basically in his prime right now. So, um, and I, and I think if you look at the project that, that, uh, that DC is trying to build here. I, I would say, it, it, unless you get an offer, unless he just lights it up over the next couple of years and you get an offer that's just too good to pass up, obviously take. That's a it, good it, scenario. It, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. If another team comes calling, hey, we need a goalkeeper. Do you want to come? Uh, you know, here, we'll pay you. We'll, you know, DC gets a transfer fee. Go. Absolutely, my friend. Go, go chase, go chase that dream. And if there's a fee, he'll right play. Now, right now, right, right now, if I'm Bill, I have DC right in front of me. I have a new coach. 
I have a exciting style of play that's being developed here, something new, something different. Uh, see, see how much you can get out of two or three years here. And maybe, maybe that ends in a, in a trophy, an open cup, um, you know, a, a, maybe an MLS cup run. Uh, who knows? He uh, wants that clearly. Uh, mm-hmm. a, the most DC United fan to play for DC United since I'd say Ben, ben olson has got a little bit of that too, but Bill, Bill is like a, a, you know, grew up in the stands player. They don't get those. Mm-hmm. And you had to hold on to those, honestly, for as long as you can. But I, I was just saying, I think that if someone made an offer and they were going to start him and he was going to get a chance to play in a major league in Europe, I would love to see how he does in it. But if he doesn't yes. and wants to stay forever, vamos, fantastic. Love yeah, he, he he has a, in my opinion, if, it, if his career were to stop right now, I think he still makes like a hall of tradition. I don't think there's any. Oh, there's any I think that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um Speaking of which, uh, let's go to the U.S. Uh, women's national team. Let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, they had two exhibition games since we last recorded, a one nothing win over Portugal and a 4 nothing win over Jamaica. Uh, I think the one nothing win over Portugal, I think probably maybe we learned a little bit of, uh, a little bit more about the team. Uh, they certainly dominated possession, dominated shots, but Portugal was basically saying, here, you have the ball. See if you can beat us. Uh, and Portugal did a really good job uh, holding the U.S. until the 76th minute. Um, with the same U.S. Uh, goal off off a corner kick, off a set piece. Uh, so uh, certainly not not you know, and I, I think the expectations are obviously different. I, I made a, a a joke on a Twitter account, and I'm like, oh, this is where we we talk about tearing down the whole team, and we you know talk about the coach being fired, right? That's how this works, right? And 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 some people point out, well, it's the U.S. women's team, the best team, and I said, yes, that's the point I'm trying to make is let's not lose ourselves over one game and they go up against Jamaica and get a four nothing dominating win. Uh, before we get that, we had Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet both played in the Portugal game. Uh, Andy Sullivan did not, did not make an appearance um, in that game. She didn't make an appearance in the next one. So uh, any, anything you want to drop about that game? Yeah. I think the thing that most people noted about that game is that it appears that the roster is set for the Olympics mm-hmm. based on lineup choices. Um, O'Hara is going to start. She's she's the starting uh, probably right. She plays she plays right back for U.S. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's correct. Yes, she's going to start. Yeah. Um, Andy will be with the Spirit. Unfortunately, uh, they're very they're very deep in defensive midfielder in defensive midfield space. Uh, when there was an op, we're going to get to this game in a second. But when there was an opportunity to make a sub early, when Rose Lavelle was unfortunately injured once again. Um, they didn't go with they didn't go with Sullivan. And I think, you know, I would love to see her in that context. I would love to see her playing with those extremely talented players around her with her range of passing and her ability to win the ball. Um, but I don't think it's gonna ha- I don't think it's gonna happen. It just doesn't seem like it seems very Bill Hamid-esque in that it's a player for a position that is very deep. But I think that if given the chance, she would she would excel. I just don't know if it's gonna happen. Um but that from that from that perspective, that from that game, I don't really have much else to say. I think, like you said, it was uh, Portugal parked the bus, uh, and uh, they were having a very challenging time getting past it. Kudos to Portugal for them. That's a great result, losing by <laughs> one, losing by one of the best team in the world, uh, and sort of the tactical discipline that they that they displayed to get there. You know, I think there's a lot of people that, and I used to feel this way too, like think that parking the bus is. Uh, not like not necessarily the coward's way out, but like but on sporting, and 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 not really 
indicative of, of really skill or talent, but I, you know, as I've, as I've grown in the game and sort of been a fan for longer, like I've definitely done, I understand that not every team can park the bus. Otherwise all bad teams would park the bus and they would, and they would not lose by multiple goals ever. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it was a good performance by them, by Portugal, you, but you, you do what it takes to win. Um, I mean, I think as a DC fan, we watched, right, we know uh, about that. <laughs> we, we watched 2014, 2015 DC win ugly, but they were still winning games and winning games is still fun regardless of how it happens. I'm sorry. It just is. And giving performances. Like you look at the Sweden game, that, the Spain game, that was an excellent game and Sweden was parking the bus. So you can still, yep. uh, I'm sure Spain, Spain fans would disagree, but you can still find joy uh, as a neutral. I think that's one of those cases. Uh, we should also mention in Jamaica, Sydney Schneider, uh, DC, uh, sorry, Washington Spirit, draft pick uh, played for Jamaica. And I thought she actually looked, considering what she was up against, uh, I don't think you really can point, point to any of the goals as her fault. Uh, it was just, she was overrun. Um, so I'm I mean, the first minute, lo- literally. <laughs> in the first minute. Um, Emily Sonnet, uh, uh, both played, uh, sorry, Emily Sonnet and Sullivan obviously subbed in in that game, as we mentioned before. Uh, just a dominating. I think that was kind of like, okay, that's the return to form. That's the, Okay, yeah, we're gonna. They're they're fine. That was the hey, we're all fine, people. Just right. relax. <laughs> right. Schneider got a ball in the face from about three feet, and then bounced her head off the turf and saved the game. So hopefully she's okay. Uh, yeah, it's it is a is a. <laughs> I had a conversation with uh, Jason Anderson about this. That it is an unforgiving or an unrewarding role to be a backup goalie behind Aubrey Bledsoe because you don't play. Mm-hmm. You never ever ever play. You will not play. She doesn't take games off. She really isn't in the U.S. picture as much anymore, so she's just going to start every game. So the international is your opportunity to get a, to get uh, to get reps. And on you know, fortunately, unfortunately for her, she was behind the eight ball from the start. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Roosevelt again. Roosevelt hurt again, hurt her ankle, rolled it, uh, sort of a non-contact roll. Seemed like she could have stayed in, but it was a you know, it's a friendly and not the time to do that. <clears throat> but uh, cursed, cursed. Cursed Rose Lavelle, I think ankle too is a problem she's had before. I have weak ankles too. I don't know if hers has just stretched ligaments or something from from having rolled it a million times. But you know, I you feel for her. You hopefully uh, it doesn't seem. I mean, it's not like a long term time on the sidelines, but like these sort of uh, repetitive small injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spirit fans know this is this is what keeps her off the field. I, I, I think yeah, and I, and I think I think uh, we're going to see. Um, minutes limitations coming for, yeah. for rain. That take that it. take that rain <laughs> so some of those are going to be uh are going to be coming up for for rose Lavelle. so you get to experience that and uh maybe a argument for why uh why washington spirit felt they needed to, to kind of move on um as talented as she is uh their u.s soccer put, puts her puts her on night when they put her on ice she is on ice uh for, for lack of a better word <laughs> Um, Loudoun United uh, quickly want to touch on them real quick. Uh, they are bottom of their conference table. I don't know how they're. Organized. I have to look at how the USL is organized. But I know they are. They are, <laughs> they are bottom. Uh, they are bottom of the let's see, league, probably. Yeah, probably bottom of the league. But they got their bottom of the Eastern Conference Atlantic. So they're in the Atlantic Division of the Eastern Conference. Does anyone have less than three points uh, in the all in all of USL championship? No, my so bet they is are, no. <laughs> <laughs> they are bottom. Um, I, I, I watched, I actually, I, I did, you know, sit down uh, and watch both games. I watched both the Tampa Bay game and the, uh, in the Charleston game. I think the Charleston game was probably the best they've looked yep. all season from an attacking perspective. 
and yet they still couldn't find the back of the net. Um, and I think that is that is the neat. I think this team last year this team was just it, it was COVID twenty twenty. It was just bad. Like they were just like every game they were just getting blown out week in week out. Hartford Athletic was dropping four or five goals on them. This season they're competitive, but they're still not good. Um, I think I think it, it's I, I, it did sort of feel like watching some some 2013 DC United games where you're like you can see something here, but it's just not good enough. It's a step behind everything else. So I, um, and their weak spots are similar to DC United. Like there are chances being created mm-hmm. you know, throughout the midfield, no finishing, and not or not really you know not enough finishing. And the back line has you know, a few games aside, mostly it's just like lacking concentration, a few mistakes, a few small seconds where they, where they concede. Um, you know, if, if a team were a non, if this team were not affiliated with DC United and was trying to make it on their own and had to spend money, they would spend more money on that back line. Like they would, they would shore that up and they would figure out, they would probably f- sign a Dane Kelly-esque player, a USL standard goal scorer, pay him, I don't know, like a hundred and Twenty hundred twenty thousand dollars or whatever it takes to sign Dane Kelly at this point. Uh, it's, it's it's unfortunate. There I, there are some bright spots. There are players that Jeremy Garay is getting a lot of national attention. Whenever you when I, whenever you sort of look into Loudon, that's the player that you're, that people are talking about because of his chances created, and people are looking at him as a long term option for DC United in a position of not need <laughs> at least currently he's young though. So time, time, uh, you know, time is long. Uh, but it, 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 Ted Cudi Beatra is a player. I think you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I thought he, he has a couple runs that, that the, the finished product's not there yet, but I, I think I'm seeing a little bit more from him. He looks, he looks more like a, a, a before it was very clearly a kid trying to play with professionals and this, and this time he actually looks like more of a, a seasoned, professional um so I'm, I'm hopeful i'm hopeful we're going to see some more out of him this year i think he he's going to be kind of the player when i sit down to watch games i'm probably going to want to keep an eye on yeah, he's, not much, name, so. he's not getting his body as much he's not getting his body as much he's not he's staying on the field he's not getting hurt he had a lot of uh, durability problems uh in his previous time on the mm-hmm. field so you know rough year again for ryan martin i feel like uh he's consistently sort of battling the same battles with with loudon mm-hmm. um but you know, as long as as long as uh, there's progress being made, I think that's always the metric they want to say. You know, I think we had a couple Loudon players on the on the show before the season. Like our goal is to make the playoffs. Like probably not going to happen, but uh, just make some just continue to make progress. I think chances created is a metric that I would care about, and then individual performances improving throughout the year. At least players that you care about that you think are a part of the long term uh, for either for Loudon or for uh, for DC. Yep. And uh, all right. So I'm gonna, I want to move on, turn the page on Loudon. Say the thing I want to talk about. Jaime Moreno. Oh, how did I not? Elected. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I knew you were going to say that. Finally elected to the, to the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. They heard you, Ted. I think this is, they, this is one, one man's prayer answered here. Ted, Ted yes. Myers, one man crusade. <laughs> first, first things, well, it was, it's me and Jason Anderson, let's be clear. Jason Anderson has been pushing too. And I think a lot of other people, there's a lot of other media that were like, finally. A um, lot of news with the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Obviously, the rules have been tweaked a little bit. Hope Solo not making the Hall of Fame. Um, as much as we know of Hope Solo's personal. She's got to be uh, in there too. Per- yeah, she she has to be in there. She she is one of the best goalkeepers ever to play for the U.S. She has won several champ, several trophies, several championships. She deserves to be in that Hall of Fame. Yep. 
Um, so I, and I don't think next season she will, she will get there. I, I think eventually it's, you know, time, time heals. Eventually people, you know, are going to make enough, enough, enough of a, of a, of a thing about it. Um, but the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing about, uh, for me is, is seeing Jaime Royer in there, because I think, I hope this opens the door, uh, for, for players who either play for national teams or play who maybe were U S players, but maybe just could never really, you know, find that place. Uh, in the U.S. national team, but put put forward really, really uh, incredible MLS careers. Uh, and those players deserve to be honored. They are just as much as being part of the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, Marco Echeverri finished second uh, behind Jaime Moreno in that award. So I think we'll expect him in that, in that Hall of Fame next year. Obviously, the veterans category, for whatever reason, only lets one in. I think that's a little silly. Um, I'm not really sure why. But basically, if you look at the voting, both Jaime Moreno and Marco Echeverri got 23 of the 24 votes. I really want to find out who that one person who didn't vote for them was so I can accost them publicly. So reveal yourself. <laughs> um, and then I think, I think Jaime Moreno got like most first choice votes or something like that. So that's why he got in. Uh, but awesome to see. Uh, I mean, I, I don't need anyone listening to this show knows how great Jaime is. Yep. Uh, and I think this is something that should happen. Um, I'm very glad. My, my biggest fear is that he's going to like go into like some other category. Oh, he's a veterans category. Oh, it doesn't. But no, they treated it like he was a Hall of Famer, and I, that was really cool to see. And at the end of the day, probably doesn't matter how he gets in, uh, just that he gets in. Um, and and he was excited about it. I think yeah. I think that was obvious. A DC United tricked him uh, to coming to Audi <laughs> Field. I don't remember what the, the the pretext was, but apparently it was a trick. Uh, and then Ben Olsen there met him. I think it was to do a photo shoot. And then it was like, hey, surprise, you're in, you're in the Hall of Fame. And you could tell yeah. he was, you could tell he was, I mean, he's had a rough year. You know, the man has lost mm-hmm. his eye uh, in the last year playing golf, which is just incredibly unlucky, <laughs> just, just, just insanely unlucky. Uh, so rough year. Uh, but uh, this is, I think, I think this is something he's been wanting. I think it's mm-hmm. validation. I think too, when you're, when you're a player, particularly in the American soccer space, like you leave, you stop playing, you sort of disappear. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't really exist anymore. Um, I think some teams do a better job of honoring those players and keeping them involved. You know, I don't know if there's money involved or whatever, but just like keeping them in the social media, keeping them around the stadium. Uh, and some teams do a less of a good job. And, and DC United is working on getting better at that. That Previously that was maybe, I think I think it's a reaction to leaning on their history too hard. I think people gave them that criticism, and I think that they backed away because of that. But I think that they're working on rectifying that. But all that said, you know, players are used to you know I imagine they're used to being in the spotlight. They're used to having their life sort of revolve around being looked at and being watched, and then they go away. And then it takes a long time. Some players that that's it. And they just go and do the next thing. Clyde Sims goes and starts a spinning, spinning franchise in, in, in Boston. Uh, but this is an opportunity basically for him, for him to uh, get revalidated, get that adoration back on him and make him feel good, particularly at the end of a, a rough year. He's a legend. There should be a statue of him. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're all, you know, Ted's happy because this has been a, a injustice that he has been one long wanting to see uh, rectified. I thought the Hall of Fame was stupid. But now it's less stupid. Now I like it more because they, they put the right people in. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, it, you know, I understand people say, oh, you know, oh, it's the popularity. Con-. I mean, we had Justin Herring on too. And I asked him, oh, it's the popularity contest. You know, it cares. But it, 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 it matters in a sense of recognizing history of American soccer. And I feel like not having players like Moreno in there, players like Echeverry, Valderrama, uh, Taylor Twelman, even, you know, as, as a player. 
I know he's, <laughs> he is, there's some controversy with him as, as a broadcaster. I he should absolutely be in there for his career. Yeah. For, for his playing career. Absolutely. A hundred percent. There are like young kids. I just want to say it quickly. There are young kids that only know him from being an announcer. Like there are a lot of, can, can like many of our listeners. That, <laughs> it's true. No, man, yeah, get used to this. It's I only going to get worse. Uh, for those of yeah. you who are too young to know, that man scored some bangers. He mm-hmm. he had a, he had a run in his career where he I think he like finished around ninety something goals. I'm not I don't have the numbers in yeah. front of me. I remember he's he's in the top ten for goals scored, and he scored quality quality goals. Uh, and yep. then you know concussions obviously uh, ruined his career and 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 sort of put his life a little bit there in jeopardy. But you know he was a player that was being pursued. Preston North End was it was it the club that was pursuing him i don't know if preston i don't think preston was in the, the premier league at the time i think they were in the championship mm-hmm. uh but just you know if all you know him is from what are we doing and yelling and being uh an, a personality on twitter uh he also was very very good <laughs> in case you don't know yeah. i don't know why i'm defending taylor's woman on a dc United show but uh he's good 174 appearances 101 goals for, that's for great i'm not sure how many of those are mls some of them you know might be some other but yes I mean, he, he, he deserves to be in that, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. There's so many players, I mean, that have been, I feel, left out. Uh, Jeff Cunningham, another one, who yep. held the all-time scoring record in, in MLS. So, so many people from that early history uh, that are kind of being faded away. And, and, and that, that, for me, is really, it's really sad, uh, you know, from a perspective of, I get you want to talk about your new teams, your new history, but don't forget where you came from. Don't. And I, I was actually very happy to see the, you know, the, the, even though the DC one was disappointing to me, the retro stuff come out. Cause I feel like it was a, it was more of a recognition of, Hey, there's history here. There's cool history here. Uh, you should check it out. And I hope, I hope, I hope eventually there's like, you know, more sort of content like that. Did I have bad news like, for you? I have bad news what? for you. The, the the desire to see retro act retro stuff from your childhood or retro stuff like that is extreme getting old man stuff right there like i, I, know, I also was I excited <laughs> just got to lean into it all the way just just dip your shoulder and know that uh, it's coming yeah i like i, I like to tease you because i'm still i think five or six years older than you so i i yeah. <laughs> i know it's coming <laughs> it all it's falls coming. apart it's all coming but uh congrats Thanks. again hi moreno i'm yes. telling dc please please do an honoring at this event it would be perfect for me have him out there if he can make it if he's got if he's got all this stuff to do i get it but you know just you know do it for ted if, if i if i hear that announcement that'd be nice um let's talk uh let's talk euro 2020 and couple america yes uh let's 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 start where i think we should start which is christian erickson um extremely glad he is he is healthy or safe stabilized uh not you know that was I was out. I was out actually. We I went to, to brunch with my wife, uh, and we were the game was on the TV. I was like, "Oh, cool! I can watch the game." And I didn't really know what was going on. I think I even posted a picture about, "Hey, I'm watching. You know, join brunch. We're watching Euro." And literally, that was going on. Um, that was going on while uh, while I was happening. We're trying to figure out like what's going on. And, uh, incredibly scary moment. Um, we can talk a lot about how the media didn't. There was a lot of stuff going on. I think 2DN USA was posting, you know, video of, of said incident where, where Christian Erickson collapsed. Um, in my opinion, they shouldn't have been running that as much as they did, um, or at least take it down. Um, I don't think we needed to see any of that. There was also talk, you know, 
just the whole the whole thing was surreal i think to watch and, and i don't i don't know if espn should have shown it um i don't know if you were you watching the game live or were not you... live no i saw it i saw it on social was the way i saw it yeah well basically they, they hung around the stadium way too long um uefa of course uh it continues to be a heartless organization uh put out a statement that oh both teams agreed they wanted to come out and finish the game well you gave them you gave Denmark three choices. You said play today, play tomorrow, or forfeit three nothing. Uh, th- those were your those were your three options. Not let's work with this. Not oh my goodness, you guys just watched one of your players almost die. Uh, let's figure something out. We can figure this out. Uh, so not. I, I think I, I'm surprised that's not maybe getting. I think there's been a couple statements. I'm surprised it's not getting as much criticism. But maybe we're just at this point where it's so expected. I don't know. I don't know at this point. I think the players are so hyper competitive that they're never they're never going to come out with any statement after the fact saying that I, mean, I haven't seen it yet that's saying that they, that they were not ready to play or that they that they were they're never going to admit that this is just the way they're wired i think um so it would have been nice if it was taken out of their hands and 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 rescheduled um and i'm not surprised i think that there wasn't i don't think there wasn't necessarily like you know, this has happened before. Players have players have died on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been uh, as somebody brought it up on, might have been on our Discord, uh, which you guys should join. Uh, I was talking about how this could have been Al Haji Kamara, a short mm-hmm. time, a one one year DC United player who originally had to stop playing in Europe because of a heart. I don't know if it was a defect, but sort of had the same problem. He had a, he got a doctor to clear him in the United States, uh, and then he played a year uh, one year without sort of any any issue. And now I think he's playing in Saudi Arabia or something. Uh, but I, I think that I don't think anyone knew how to react to it. I think t- TV will always will never cut away that mm-hmm. like that there that that's just not that's counter to everything that they are <laughs> like there. But I, I, I think it got it, it got to a point though where it was very. I mean, I can understand maybe someone hanging on for too long. You know, what do they do? Maybe they don't have people at the studio. They got to scramble. Eventually, though, I think you need to make the move of saying, get two guys in the studio. Let's cut away from this. You know, let's see what's going on. We'll, we'll kind of shift in and out a little bit. But just, I mean, seeing his uh, his partner, I'm not sure if it's wife or girlfriend, you know, crying on the field. I mean, that just, that that was almost, I think, a little bit too much. Um, and, and hats, I mean, we, we have to talk about the good things. Hats off to the Denmark players. Uh, I think one of the, the captain or the defender, literally rushed over opened an airway um you know provided that sort of emergency care started about uh, mouth started cpr they, yeah yeah started cpr they of course brought the medical team on i think there was also a lot of criticism sort of the medical team like oh where's the ambulance why didn't they do it and i think there was a lot these people they, they know what they're doing uh they're out here there's been a lot of changes uh in, in years this has happened like i said this has happened before this is not the first time this has happened um, on a soccer field, and there have been a lot of changes, and I think this was more of a of a recognition uh, that this worked. That 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 when something like this happens, uh, that you know, if it's responded to correctly, you can literally save someone's life. That's what, and that's and exactly what happened. Yeah, and we 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 saw it there. I think we were, I was all prepared when they were wheeling. I was when they were wheeling him out, and they had him covered around. Like, oh my God, he's he's gone. Like, I don't. Why else would you do that? Uh, you know, obviously it was to protect his privacy, which I get, but I literally thought he was gone. And then to see that he was, that he was alive was, uh, I, I think it, it certainly added a relief. I think the whole tournament would have been, I don't know how you continued the tournament if, if he isn't alive. Um, and, uh, the response I think from, from 
the players, people, his teammates who played in other games has been incredible. Uh, so, so those are all good things that happened. Yeah, Ramu some... Lukaku's celebration into the camera was awesome. After he scored, yeah, uh, he, he that was very cool. Teammates yeah, in yeah. on. Yeah, and Gregory brings up isn't he's been using UEFA feed exactly. Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm mad at UEFA for for staying on it that long. But ESPN also can control and probably say, hey, we're going to cut to our studio. Uh, let, let's cut to our studio. We'll, we'll keep we'll have someone watch it, keep, see what's going on. Uh, but we, we don't need to we don't need to see some of this, uh, especially a guy being basically resuscitated on live TV. Uh, great, great comments here. And I think is, I think it's good to say from just my public service thing. And also as a guy who whose job it is to uh, lobby for epinephrine auto injector availability. Um, uh, Greg says Erickson was saved because there was a defibrillator available. If someone goes into cardiac arrest and is defibrillated within three minutes, they have a 70% chance of survival. Otherwise, the chance of survival is 3%. There need to be defibrillators in every building in the country. I agree. And next to them, an epinephrine auto injector. Now I'm off the and, clock. <laughs> and, and, and that's someone, and, and that's someone, that's something, um, you know, that I, when I take uh, referee training, they actually talk about that, about the need to have that. And they go through some, some early training for that. Uh, I'm actually now wondering, is that available when I go out to, uh, to some of these fields? Is that available? Um, if, if something were to happen to me or if something were to happen to a player or somebody else. Um, so um, I, I, I hope, I hope, I hope there is. Um, so yeah, uh, glad Christian Eriksen's doing all, doing okay. Uh, hopefully, he can continue to to play the sport that he loves, um, and uh, we, we we wish all the best to him uh, and his family. Uh, all right, moving <laughs> moving on. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about. I, I want to touch on some little things about the tournament. Obviously, uh, Frank DeBoer, uh, MLS reject Frank DeBoer, <laughs> coaching the Netherlands, falling up like nobody else. Uh, a lot of a lot of talks about his tactics and and everything else in this game. And it seemed like his team kind of uh, kind of overcame uh, overcame the uh, uh, his tactics in a thrilling three two win over over Ukraine. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that game. I was kind of oh. ha- half working and half watching, but that that was a pretty fun game. That was that was the game. So that was the that was the decider game for my for my parlay. So I had yeah. I I was driving home from Costco and I looked at my phone. And it was like two nothing. I was like, baby, we did it. I'm about to clear almost hundred bucks. And then I got to get home. I sit down on the couch, one goal. I'll be like, all right, well, that makes it interesting, but there's only 50. Oh, another goal, two. How could, how could they do this to me? Uh, and then the goal, and then they, they win the game in the, I think like the 89th minute. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was a wild, it was a wild game from my, from my understanding. I missed the, I missed the first half. Like they take, they took off daily blend. Uh, Cause it was, they were so, they were such in control. <laughs> like there was, there was, there were no problems at all. And then it, it slipped away. So I think that this is another, you know, hard to say off the bat, but is this another team that is going to be held back by its manager <laughs> in a national tournament? The talent on the field is in fact, you know, good enough to, to play and win, but the way it gets set up and, and, and the changes that get made, do they put the team at a disadvantage? It, we shall see. Bad coaches can do well in international tournaments. These things are sprints. Expected goals, I think, can be thrown out pretty much. And I think the uh, the Czech Republic Scotland game is a perfect example of that because uh, Scotland had a 1.84 expected goals, and I believe uh, Czech Republic had a 0.4. I guess a half field volley goal from Patrick uh, Schick. Yeah, I'm I'm totally butchering the name. Patrick, I think it's uh, Schick or Schick. Uh, I, I, I want to make sure I get that right, but um, John is just going completely like 
No, I don't know his name. I don't know his name. I saw the goal. I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I, I'm, but I'm, I'm having trouble with some of these uh, Czech pronunciations. Uh, Listen, all of our Czech fans have to give us some grace here. Ted, Ted, <laughs> Ted is going to go to Prague next next month to work on his pronunciation and names. Uh, I think it may be goal of the tournament, but I also think, unfortunately, it's an own goal. But Slovakia's Robert Mack basically just diced Pol- two Polish defenders, nutmegged one of them, took her on the end line. Uh, and then deflected it off one defender and then off the off the post and off of uh, Chesney's back into the net. Uh, I am I am my uh, I am from you know far long ago Polish, so I was hoping that this tournament was going to be the uh, it did not it did not go well from the start. They have a tough road to hoe with Spain and Sweden ahead. Uh, uh, it's it's not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking yeah. good at all today. Today's action was was not. Uh, not great for any of my predictions overall you you yeah. were on the radio this this weekend uh, i was correct? yes i was talking on about the, euros what what station yeah, what show were you on i was uh, it was called the gut check on 910 i think nine espn 910 the fan uh and i think it's based out of richmond i don't know if the guy actually thought was from richmond um but uh but it was fun i got to talk uh, i got to talk a little bit a uh, little bit of euro um i'm not sure if you can find the show um I did you did you mention our show name in there at all did i did drop? mention our show yep, yeah we got dropped twice part front and back end so people, people can know where to listen to us if they were listening back. if you're listening um, from that <laughs> hello yes welcome i was much more i was more comfortable with the u.s talk than i was maybe the euro talk i was like trying <laughs> maybe <to> but, <laughs> but um but uh but i still uh, i thank them for having me on um it was a nice guy and it was it was fun to be on the show for a bit and talk some soccer in the morning uh while watching i think i was watching wales and somebody i can't remember who Producer Brian um, is giving us the the off stage hook here because of the uh, segment two that we have to tap on at the end yes. of this episode. Okay, so let's roll through the rest of this real quick. Roll through the rest of this. Uh, Junior Moreno playing for Venezuela, multiple COVID cases, obviously going on in that team and outbreak. I hope he is vaccinated. That's all I have to say. I hope that he has received his vaccination. I get think some, he has. Yeah, I think he has too. Get them, get those shots down there, man. Joe, yeah. send these. Uh, like the difference between the attendance. Uh, and the Euros and the empty stadiums in the Copa are a bummer. Get get blanket South America with shots. Pretend that there is a natural resource you want to expropriate from South America as is traditional air history, and instead <laughs> drop drop from helicopters and airplanes the shots. So they can get get the you know also not die first and foremost, but then secondarily allow fans to go see these games. Uh, yeah. And then the MLS All Star Game, uh, the 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 foreseen has has come to pass. Uh, Liga MX will be playing MLS All Stars. Uh, I you know, there's been so much talk about they're just condensing a league and making it be a league by having these two leagues combined. I think there was a statement by uh, somebody. I don't know if it was the head of FIFA that was saying like, this would be uh, this would be the best league in the world if they formed this. I think is what they said. One of the best leagues or the best league in the world. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens there. I think, I think it'll be exciting. It's better than like having an out of season, big, big team come play. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, we'll see. I think it'll be exciting. Uh, and I think the one real question we had from this was, oh, do, uh, Ted would like to see the return of the skills challenge, which, uh, yes. I agree. Let's do that. <laughs> Hardest shot competition. Try, I, I, I tried to Google it and it did come up. So I, ho- I hope it does come back. I don't know how COVID plays a role in that, but yes, please come back. The skills competition was a heck of a lot of fun when they did it in what feels like a decade ago in 2019. I think Wayne Rooney was a part of that, which was kind of fun. Yes, um, so he was. Definitely bring that back. 
<laughs> and then the last thing we wanted is to tie it back into DC. Who is our vote for M- DC's MLS All-Star rep? If it ended right now today, uh, my, I, my, my call is Adrian Perez based on just sort of based on like telling you how the team is doing right now. It's, it's very diffuse and, and, it, and it's positives. There isn't like one player that's really, really going crazy. Moses Nyman, probably either one, but uh, are one of those your, your pick as well? It's probably Agent Perez, and that's. I mean, I, I don't know if. I, I, first of all, no DC player right now, unless you know, unless they sign another Wayne Rooney, is going to make that All Star team because that's true. It's it is a awful, awful voting contest, and literally, it's like the best players who have the best seasons never make the never make the All Star team. There's always like three players that are left off, and then like they're like brought on as like either commissioner picks or they're brought on as like as other picks. So. um so yeah, so yep, uh, that also game coming up, guys. I think that's gonna do it for this uh, for this live for this live show. We'll be back with actual DC United games to talk about, so that'll be fun. Uh, I'll have a a view from Audi Field, so I'll probably have all kinds of fun things to say, guys. I thank you so so much for listening. Uh, you'll uh, if you're listening to the live show, this is it. If you listen <laughs> on the podcast, stick around. We got an interview with Julian Gressel coming up, so you definitely want to check that out. Uh, and we will catch you guys on Thursday. Thursday, vamos, vamos. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFU Refugees, a podcast. Ted here, John here, and we are joined by a very, very special guest. He is the host, co-host, I should say, of the Z Soccer podcast. He is also, uh, in his spare time, plays uh, midfielder for DC United. Julian Gressel. Julian, welcome to the show. Thanks for thanks for joining us. <laughs> no problem. What's up, guys? <laughs> Not much. Uh, so let's, uh, let, let's talk about, so I guess the... Uh, the biggest thing that came into uh, when you came to DC United was where uh, where 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 were you going to play on the field? And you've moved a lot uh, around a lot. You yeah. started out in the center of midfield, moved to winger, wing back. Uh, all you've, I'm pretty sure you maybe had a sit in goalkeeper. I'm not I'm not sure about <laughs> that though. Uh, but where where do you feel sort of most uh, most comfortable on the field when you're out there? Um, it really depends on on kind of what the coach wants, you know, and and I think. Over the last, obviously, few months now, uh, ever since Hernan came in, uh, he's basically said from the first time I talked to him that I was going to play on the right side, if that's the right winger in a 4-3-3 or as a right wing back. Um, I think I've trained four times, five times in the midfield, in a three midfield, in a, in a, four, in a three back as well. So I didn't play as a wing back, but other than that, I've, I've never really played in the midfield there at all. So... I like that wingback role. I understand exactly what he wants out of that and, and what he wants from me. Um, I think you can see how my relationships have kind of evolved a bit and kind of gotten a lot better um, with guys that have, have played around me. If that's the center back behind me, if that was Brendan at first or, or um, now Andy Nahar or, you know, and now obviously Paul coming back. This is, I feel like this is the first time I'm really playing together with Paul. Um, so, you know, that relationship, obviously is something that we're still working on, but I'm, I'm certainly excited. Obviously my relationship with Russ is really good, um, where he's in the midfield on my side usually. So, um, it's really just depending on, on, on the system, what the coach wants from me. But like I said, I think as a right wing back, I feel pretty comfortable and, uh, I'm looking forward to continue to do that as well. I was just going to say, you brought up Paul. I was remembering when you got signed, we're like, man, I don't know how, how, where are we going to put these two guys? Like I, this is, we're, we're spoiled for choice. And then immediately that's not an issue anymore. And then we had a whole, we had all of last year and now it is, it's great that, you know, but then also, uh, uh, Edison, Edison goes down and now, and now Paul's playing sort of in, in the withdrawn nine or, or in the 10. So it's like, 
we, we've been waiting for the overload of the the Paul the the Paul and Julian overload on the right hand side at some point. Uh, maybe maybe one day when everyone's back to full strength, we'll get <laughs> we'll get what yeah, we envisioned I mean, at the beginning of twenty twenty. I know. I think it's it's actually very interesting because when I got to DC, uh, Ben Olsen was telling me, you know, we're going to try you in the midfield a little bit to see how how you're doing. And I played there the first couple of games, um, but I think his plans obviously had that with Paul in mind as well. He said, I can always go back. I know it's going to work with you on the right side, Paul on the left side. I think he can play as a winger on the left. I have no problem. You know, we can play that way. And then he goes down and gets hurt. So it was, it was obviously a lot of makeshift, you know, lineups around that a little bit after. Um, but uh, now, yeah, with Paul coming in, I think we're pretty fluid. He can play as a wing back. You know, he's played there plenty of times. Um, and I think as games go on, like you said, we'll, we'll kind of hopefully get a better understanding um, of each other and then kind of it becomes a, a really really yeah difficult side to defend hopefully for a lot of teams uh when we come down our right side so let's let's look in the let's look in the rearview mirror a little bit so from the youth system in germany uh to providence college in rhode island it's an unconventional path uh how did that come to be i'm sure you've told, talked about this in interviews in the past but how how did that happen that's that's pretty unusual i think for the the standard mls player that's a it's an interesting route and then specifically, what was your perception of an experience like in the college game? I think it's, you know, internationally, the college game has looked sort of, uh, it, it's not, it's not like this anywhere else. <laughs> there's, there's not, there's yeah. not this setup anywhere else. So I think, um, just sort of curious what your expectations were going into it and how you, uh, you know, what your experience was like over the four years that you were there. Yeah, it came about with me basically just, uh, trying to reach out and then seeing how, how, you know, that potential of me coming to the u.s could work you know and and there was an organization in germany that helped me through the process that created all my profiles you know videos highlight videos um, and reached out to organizations they're kind of like agents you know they're not really called agents obviously because the right. ncaa Ag- but H- agents yeah exactly um so um they helped me through that process and providence was one of the schools that that was interested heavily interested and um, that I ended up ultimately choosing, you know, and, and I'm happy I did because it was such an amazing time and, and I loved every second of it. And I, I really, really um, made me feel really comfortable there, um, you know. And then, uh, yeah, the, the second part of the question was just about college soccer, right? How, how it's perceived in Europe. Um, it was, there was nothing like, I didn't know about it really, you know, in Europe, <laughs> I don't think anybody knows about the college game over there. I think guys like, like me, like, Fabian Herbers, you know, my co-host on the podcast um, or or other guys that have kind of followed in our footsteps a little bit have kind of come over. And it's it's a very few few guys that um, try to make that step, you know, and, and, and try and come really say, OK, let's go to the U.S. to play in the college system. Um, it's usually guys that either want to study and play at the same time. Or they, you know, it's kind of like their last resort of, of trying to make it, um, you know, in a way, because there's so much talent in Europe um, that uh, it's really difficult to break through, you know. And then sometimes you're not given the required time or the time you need to develop as a player. And then I feel like I got that in college. I don't think I was ready to play pro in Germany. Who knows if I would have gotten the time to actually develop um in you know kind of a pro environment which i think college is because of all the all the facilities and 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 the trainings and and all the individual trainings you get from coaches um and stuff so it was uh yeah it's it's certainly not very popular uh in europe but i also think there's a very 
yeah, a very specific amount of, of guys that, that certainly look over, over here still and, and want to come and make that step. You mentioned it's sort of a, a professional-esque sort of environment. I, I would say there's a lot of college players that come out that either are not ready for the uh, duration of the season, obviously, because of how short the college season ends. So normally college players hit a rookie wall in the middle towards the summer yeah. and, and sort of just falls apart. But you also had, so you have you had your youth experience in Germany. Do you think that the technical aspect, the technical growth that you had at the early part of your career combined with that college experience that you had, had you you came out firing uh, right out of college. You had, you, you had a fantastic year right out of college, and that's not the always what, what the route that happens. Do you think your sort of the getting a different taste at different levels and uh, different was it you think that was helpful for you to be ready to go right from day one yeah I, I certainly think so i mean you you mentioned that and it's like you know games come to mind that where you you or not just games but the, the the club i played for in germany before i came to college you know there's 34 35 year olds on the team you know that work full time and then come to training at night like you know, it's it's a real real man's game over there. You know, in in the amateur divisions that I played for, and obviously kids that just go to college from the U.S. they don't have that experience yet. Um, so when they go to the pros, everything is new. Um, you know, you play with real adults for the first time. You know, guys that are older than 22, 23. That's probably the oldest in in college, if that even. You know, um, so it's really. Um, yeah, it's a big step for a lot of guys. And I certainly kind of was a bit more comfortable in that role, I guess, you know, and it certainly helped me, um, like you described it. Well, I, I'm sure, uh, when you came to DC in, in 2020, you know, after all the success and you had in Atlanta, it probably was not, not what you, uh, what you anticipated it to be. I don't think anybody could have predicted a, a global pandemic to shut down everything. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're, athletes are humans. I know the, the media and sometimes we, we, and I think certain fans like to think you guys are robots and, and you can sort of put aside what's been going on. But I mean, you were transitioning to a new team, a new city. Uh, obviously you had, you've had a coaching change now. Um, you also, uh, grew your family, uh, here in DC, uh, ha- having your, your first child. How, how do you go about like keeping focus? Like when you, when it comes to your job, I mean, I, if I was dealing with all those things, I'm not sure I could focus on my job. Like, I, how do you how do you go in day in day out and just you know have to perform? Is it are you able to compartmentalize? How, how does how do you personally keep yourself focused? It's it's a tough question to uh, to answer um, because sometimes it takes really conscious effort, you know, especially when times are difficult and and when you're not winning as many games as you would like or when you're not playing as you would like you know even personally i said it many times that last year was not even close to the standard of of where i wanted to play and where i can play you know and um, i'm the first one to put my hand up and say you know that had that reason maybe that reason i'm the first one to reflect in that as well so um, so that it doesn't happen again you know but um, i think the focus my my primary focus last year honestly, was to not get sick and to not jeopardize the health of, of my wife and of my future baby. Um, you know, I, I think that was the number one priority. Um, and, and everything else kind of came a little bit secondary. Um, I think that's pretty human and pretty normal um, of me. And I, I, I hope that people can understand that. Um, but uh, yeah, I try, you know, now I think when times are, are not as difficult as, as they were before or you get back to it, you realize how much fun it is again, you know, and you realize how much, why you do it. And then the fans are coming back and, 
and and why you you know why you actually made this hobby your job you know and, and why you wanted to pursue this dream and and to be conscious of that i think on a daily basis that you get to do what you love um for for a, you know for and and you make a pretty good amount of money doing it it's it it kind of should take everything away and it should be like all right it, it shouldn't you shouldn't have to necessarily be like oh i got to focus you know no it should just be exactly the feeling that i had when i was i was 12 11 12 years old of of just playing the game obviously with a bit more intent and a bit more knowledge about it all um but uh i i think to to have fun and to really enjoy it is the most important thing and i try and go back to that i try and tell myself that if times are tough and, and if if i kind of sometimes notice myself that i lose that focus if that makes any sense sure yeah absolutely um, absolutely so uh you went from Atlanta, a team where money is seemingly no object. I imagine there's just like, like I, I, can't, I can't imagine like the goodie bags when you sign. It's got to be something kind of kind of crazy. Uh, to DC United, a, a team. Yeah, well, maybe not as a rookie, but everybody else. <laughs> Particularly if you're a DP, I imagine there's some sort of, I don't know. I can't imagine the spread. Uh, to a team typically in the middle to the bottom half in spending. And I'm not talking about on the field, just like in general. Were there any cultural shock moments? Not to get you in trouble, obviously. What are there? Were there any cultural shock moments for you when you're going from uh, sort of the Atlanta setup from a day-to-day perspective? Obviously, they had the, they had the training set up already for uh, in Atlanta, right? They they had that built yeah. year one. So yeah, and then you came here. I believe you were training probably at the RFK, uh, or you actually might have been at the St. Clair or whatever the the uh, training place in Arlington. Either way, any what was the biggest shock for you coming to? No longer having Arthur Blank just sign a blank check and throw the <laughs> throw the team whatever they want their credit card. Um, I, I started. We trained out of Audi Field and, and drove to RFK to, to train there, which we're still doing now. So I never had full time RFK and stuff when I got here. But um, yeah, it was it was different for sure. Um, but it was at the same time I liked it in a way because it was everything was a bit more like familiar and and you know like it was smaller it wasn't so i don't want to say stuck up but like you know kind of just like a bit more relaxed um you know which which is very which was very different than than what we had under you know on the tata and on the frank de boer and kind of in atlanta in general which wasn't obviously wasn't bad right we were pretty successful playing and, and, and winning games and stuff so you kind of look past those things a little bit um but i think ben olsen created a very nice very good culture um at the club and and you kind of felt everybody kind of felt welcome immediately you know and, and I, I certainly felt that way my wife felt that way um you know and, and we were uh we were getting yeah accustomed to it all pretty quickly obviously until the pandemic kind of put a really big stop to that and we couldn't do anything for months you know and that was difficult for us to kind of get out of that and get back into the the normality of things where it was just we were just stuck you know and it, you couldn't go out with teammates. You couldn't see them. You couldn't, you know, you, you trained on opposite sides of the fields. Like it was just difficult. Um, I couldn't speak with Ben as much as I wanted to, you know, those, those types of, those types of things were just, were just tough. And, and um, that's, yeah, it, it was different, but at the same time, it was, it was something I was open to. Uh, I knew it was going to be different, you know, speaking to a lot of guys around the league, and uh, obviously guys coming into DC. I spoke to them before and, um yeah i was i was open to that and but like i said i think the pandemic mostly uh, was just really really difficult for me to kind of continue that growth into the club and into the culture 
Speaking of uh, sort of training setups, you will be commuting to Loudoun uh, starting in the fall. We have asked every player, we've asked coaches in the past, sort of like, what what is their plan for that? Now, particularly as the world is returning and traffic will be a factor. I know Russ is out there, owns a house. I know he has a real estate license. I know he's going to be hitting all of you guys up for either for a, for a property out there. This is going to be funny. This answer is going to be funny. because uh, Yeah. So are you excited um, about that? Do you have a plan? <laughs> Well, I've had the plan for a while, and I was the first one to kind of make that, you know, step. So we actually moved out here um, hey. in July last year. Yes. Um, and the You're funny story go. about that is Russ actually got a house out here because of me. Oh. And he lives right <laughs> next door to me. So <laughs> You guys are going to have like a little row here. This is, this is a yeah. real opportunity. That's right. I could one minute, and I'd be over at his, his doorstep. Um, but, Carpool? Uh, that's right. We usually do carpool um, now in and stuff into PC, but uh, yeah, no, we've we've made that jump just because with the pandemic we were we were stuck in an apartment and you know we didn't have a balcony. Our window opened about four inches, and um, we wanted to be outside a bit more. And and so before the market went crazy <laughs> again last year in July, we actually found a home thankfully, and uh, are now living here. Obviously, the, the baby was due in, in October, late October. She ended up coming in. in the first of November so um it, it was the right step for us to do and then we kind of yeah we made that and we're glad I don't mind the drive now I'll suck it up for a little bit longer and uh, we'll see when we actually move out here but from then on I'll have like a like a 20 20 minute commute but so you're one of like three guys that are excited about this then like you'll be you'll you'll have uh, Griffin will be like can I sleep on your couch I don't want to go back home I just this is too much for me <laughs> Everybody was uh, everybody's always like, Oh, you th- I don't think it's gonna happen this year. I don't think we're gonna be there this year. I'm like, guys, we're gonna be there this year. Believe me. <laughs> and you and you get to you get to enjoy the uh, the rising home values and, and they're all right. gonna have to pay overpay right. to yeah. move out there. Right. <laughs> so you make the smart move. Um all right. I, I would be uh I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read uh Felipe uh Cardenas's article uh detailing some of the things going on in the front office. Obviously, again, don't want you to get in any trouble. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to ask you about personal things, but uh, clearly, a, a lot of a lot of turmoil going on in, in sort of the front office between uh, between coach and front office. I, I, all I really want to ask is, like, and and you're also listed. You're kind of a supporting character. Your your whole trade to DC is is a part of this story. Yeah. Uh, but what uh like. Do you witness any of that or like, does that make it all the way down to the players? And like, how, how do you go about like focusing that, you know, do you see the coach having like arguments with, with, with front office and like, does that ever make it down or is it all just kind of like a sort of a separate, a separate area? Well, I guess it kind of has to make it down, right? If former (laughs) players are being, being quoted, you know, in in the article, (laughs) um, I, for me, everything was so new. I was so young, you know, even though mm-hmm. I was, you know, coming out of college, but I was still so young in my season. I was, uh, in my career, you know, it was just, I was just focusing on playing, you know, I was shocked that I was playing a lot as much as I was. And I was just trying to play, you know, and so a lot of the things, you know, certainly missed me. Um, and I didn't, didn't see any of that, but, uh, you know, I obviously read the article and I saw, saw what was in there. Um, some things I, I, yeah maybe knew about some things i i didn't uh it was interesting but at the same time that's really all all what it was you know i i read it just as anybody else did and 
and I really, you know, don't want to live live in the past in that sense. I want to want to focus on DC. I mean, we were playing games at that time um, already, so it wasn't something that you know I was was really hung up on, or I, I want to get too much into detail with because you know that's in the past, and that's that's what happened. That's something Atlanta has to deal with, not me. And then I'm here uh, in DC. I want to focus on that, and that's simple as that, to be honest. Well, to, to focus on that, are you ready to to go down? They're going to be obviously we last year two uh, one victory over Atlanta. DC's been kind of a a thorn a thorn in the side. Are you, are you ready to go down there as a as a DC United player in front of and, fans uh, and pick up three points and and with fans of in the course. stands too, be a full crowd. <laughs> of course, no, of course I am. No, that'll be an exciting game. Uh, personally, for me, you know, I think my wife will actually travel down there. A lot of friends down there and, and, and just an amazing time we had there, like obviously not denying any of that. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, to play there for such a long time. And um, yeah, it's a special game, but that's far away. You know, we got a lot of games before then. So that's really all, we're fo- all I'm focused on right now. That time will come when it comes. I wanted to be down there. Uh, it was my dad and I were planning a trip, uh, but then uh, we realized the game was the same day as my wife's birthday. So gotta 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 <laughs> say no to that. You probably know, y'all y'all know art about y'all know all about that. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, full house down in Atlanta, uh, you know I think we've asked we've talked to most of the players about this too. Not just like, aren't you happy to have fans back in the stadium? But what was the mental adjustment like? Basically playing closed door friendlies, basically for for the year for as much as the of the season that there was uh the intensity level everyone obviously everyone says like you know we're professional players we can we get ourselves up it's the same as anything else but like i have to imagine you know i was i did i did some press box stuff with games with nobody else in the stands and then with people in the stands and it's just it you can't you can't uh the difference in energy even in yourself but in the room is just so much different you can't even pretend what was that experience like and uh with that in mind, like was last season, and I don't just say this because of how our results were, uh, but was it worth it to, to do that, to, to keep playing in front of no fans, sort of having the like the weird, uh, the testing that you guys had to go through, the weird travel? It was like a million hurdles that you had to get over to play these games in front of empty, in front of, in front of nobody. So yeah. first question, happy to be back. And second was last year, you think it was worth it? Obviously, very happy to be back. You know, I think it was a big, big difference. And like you were saying, there's different energy. That's completely true for players as well. Um, you know, as much as you want to tell yourself you're you're as good of a professional as there is, um, it's extremely hard, you know, and you notice a difference. I think our first game actually was in Atlanta with fans last year. You feel going out to warm-ups with just 100 people in the stands there, it was a night and day. Like it, it really makes a really, really big difference. And, and you don't notice it until it actually, you know, until you, they actually come back. And I'm certainly really excited to have a full stadium now again. Um, you know, most of the, I think most of the stadiums will be open to, to full capacity almost. And yeah, it, it makes you appreciate it that much more uh, for sure. Um, and what was the second part again? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so with all of the barriers and stuff you had to go through last year, was, oh, yeah, do, you think it, it. do you think it yes. was worth it? Um, yeah, it was. I think it was. I think it was worth it to to continue the league and to not grow the league necessarily, but to continue to be relevant while everybody everybody else was playing. We were playing as well. You know, it was relevant in that sense, and it was relevant to you know get paid. <laughs> I mean, it's sure. as simple as that, right? To sure. get a paycheck. Like, we, I, I, what would I have done 
if all of a sudden in in March I wouldn't have gotten paid anymore and and for the rest of the year like you know I got a had a pregnant the new house and everything and, yeah, <laughs> new house well, and a baby that you can't be doing that we probably wouldn't have bought a new house you know probably but, not uh, it was it, we still had a pregnant wife you know it was it would have been a very difficult and very different scenario um, if that happened so it was it was good in that sense for every player to to kind of push through that and, and come together and and really put together you know at first a tournament. And then, a, and then a season. Uh, but ultimately, I think it was also important for the league. Like I said, very important for the league to just continue and be a part of the conversation as small, as as big as you like, um, you know, but to be relevant and to be kind of in, in the conversations was important, I think. All right, we're going to get to a to a fan question here uh, from uh, Pete Down Hiker. I'm not sure where that uh, this came from somewhere. I'm assuming I, I think it might have come from from Discord. Discord. Yep. Yeah, Discord. Uh, it says the training regimen and demanded fitness level is being described as higher than previous years. Uh, are there adjustments you had to make in your approach to training uh, that uh, that you have made to contend with this? Like just um, any adjustment? Yeah. Like an approach to training, not necessarily, um, because I, I think I want to say we trained pretty intense when I was in Atlanta. Um, uh, you know, it was a very intense week of training, usually leading up to the games, where at first that was a bit of a shock when we when I was there. Um, then, I, you know, we came to D.C. and everything was a bit different. Like we, we played so many games at the end of the year, we barely trained, you know. Right. Um, you trying to get through a season like that without really getting injured. <laughs> um so uh right now though with the with the change and kind of for me with the way of going back to how it was in atlanta it wasn't too big of a different difference for me um but i think i mean speaking to guys around the locker room i want to say um that they've certainly had to adjust you know and kind of be ready for tougher days during the week especially you know tuesday wednesday um, and then be able to really kind of kind of get recovered for games on thursday and friday um, but, uh, yeah, the loads or the, the heavy days were really heavy uh, or are still really heavy. So, um, that certainly it's, it's a, it's a mindset thing and it's something that your body will get used to all the time. And, um, that's maybe also why we've had a little bit more injuries here or there in the beginning. Um, you know, but guys will, will come back and guys will get used to that type of training. And then those injuries will, will kind of just, you know, go away in a sense. Um, and guys will be fitter and we'll, we'll, we'll be ready for games. Is the international break under Hernan Lasada really a break, or, or is Hernan still still pushing you guys uh, seven days a week? <laughs> no, it's, it's been it's been really nice. He's given a good amount of days off. Um, he's really taking this as a break as well, especially since there's you know almost three weeks between yeah three weeks between games. Um, you know, so it's certainly good to kind of get away from it a bit as well. And he's given us that opportunity for sure. But at the same time, we're ramping up uh, at the right times, and when and whenever we do work, it's it's still, you know, same principles, same intensity, you know, the, the way we have been training uh, in the past as well. You were saying that you were able to basically go back to your Atlanta days of training as far as as soon as the new coach came in, you're like, all right, I've done this before. It's no problem. Uh, the way it was described by Arnan, Arnan uh, right at that time was sort of like a lot of these players are not Julian Gressel. A lot of these players have not experienced this before, and it was extremely tough for them. Like he, I, I know that in his first press conference, his first availability after preseason, he was just like, "I did not, I did not anticipate this level of fitness or or lack of for some of the players." What were the first couple trainings like as people 
adjusted to the new i'm just i'm just imagining a lot of people sucking for air like a lot of <laughs> there's got to, obviously without saying who or whatever but there had to have been some guys that were physically uh, decimated by these the first couple trainings yeah i think so um but it also wasn't also wasn't too much you know i think we did testing before we came in right so so hernan came came with uh, with some type of of tests he wanted done before we started training um, if that's a VO2 max test, like where you, you, you test your max lung capacity, you know, those types of, those types of tests. Um, and I, I'm, I'm guessing he was referring to those, um, because after that you can kind of scale your training, right? Like our, our head of performance, um, then knows, okay, you can push these guys to that and that limit and, and without really trying to risk them to injuries too much, you know? Um, so it was still a gradual build. I think he also understood that. We were coming from a really long break after a really strange season. Um, so he wasn't, I don't think he was expecting us to be completely fully fit, you know, and, and we knew we had seven weeks to get ready for that first game. Um, so um, it was, uh, it was a bit of, a bit of both, I think, where we kind of just gradually worked ourselves into it, but at the same time pushing, you know, really, really the, the envelope and pushing the limits, um, you know, like I said, without trying to get or go over the top. And like you said, it looks like we're cresting that hill now. We're not seeing as many week-to-week injuries that are, at least that we're not seeing on the field. If someone gets hurt in the field, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But there yeah. isn't a lot of, there aren't as many training injuries or sudden appearances on the injury report as there were at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, also a lot of the injuries that we've had, I feel like early in the year, were still lingering injuries from last season that just weren't able to be resolved throughout the off season, which was... Uh, obviously unfortunate you know things happen to certain guys and, and injuries obviously go a certain way so it was it wasn't necessarily because of training you know we missed this one guy or or we missed eight guys no it was you know three four guys because of training three four guys because of they're still trying to work their way back into it maybe had a couple setbacks you know like paul for example you know those types of things well, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask a little bit about your uh, about your podcast. Give you a chance to to plug it as well. Uh, Z Soccer Podcast with Fabian that you do with Fabian Herbers. How did that podcast come together? Because I tried to look, I was like, I, I don't think they're from the same German town. Did you guys just meet up at like an MLS event, or like how, how did how did all of that come together? No, uh, we we played against each other in college. Uh, so oh, okay. This, he was in the same conference. He played at, at Creighton. I played at Providence. So we were both in the Big East. That's how I kind of I kind of knew him. Obviously, going to Providence, he was there a year before already, um, and he was he was pretty good. You know, he was a big time player then, and so I kind of looked him up a bit. I knew who he was, and then when we played against, we connected um, a bit, and he went pro. I kind of followed his path, and then, you know, as as fellow Germans, you kind of just connect, you know, and and when we when you play against each other on the weekends, um, it's not just with him; it's with other guys as well. So. Um, we connected and, and we kind of messaged each other more on social media um, here and there. And uh, I knew he was a big podcast fan, um, big podcast fan of especially this one German podcast. I think it's the most popular German podcast. Um, and I like gave it a try because then all of a sudden, you know, after July, I had this long commute. Where right. I was like, all right, let's do some podcasts. I can't listen to the same songs every day. um so let's try some podcasts so i tried that one and i really liked it and i reached out to him and and by the end of the year i was like you know what there's not really any any mls players or 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 you know guys that are in the league 
really doing a podcast like this, just an informal talk on a weekly basis. I heard it a lot and I saw it a lot on like from like NBA guys, they would do it throughout their travel or, um, you know, however, whenever they could. So I just, you know, I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, what do you think? I know you're a podcast fan. So why don't, why don't we do this together? Maybe a little bit of a background. We know each other a little bit. What do you think? So we kind of took the time over Christmas. This was right before Christmas. And then we took the time over Christmas break and, and new year's. He went back to Germany. Um, we stayed here and, uh, um, then we came back and we we're like, well, what do you think? If we want to do this, I think we should try and set it up before we get going with the season. So that it's all set up and done and that we can just focus or focus on playing. And, you know, once a week we record, we send it to our producer and he puts it all together for us. So uh, that's kind of how it came about. And it's been fun. It's been fun to do with him. He's never really done much media before, he said, and, and certainly that type of type of media outlet and stuff. And uh, I obviously had the Gressel special last year. So that gave me a little bit of an intro to that whole world, which um, I liked um, and I wanted to continue. So um it was yeah it just kind of came about like that and it was it, it's been fun and it's still fun so we're going to continue it for now <laughs> all, all all podcasts all podcasts uh, start out with just a text hey you want to do this thing sure yeah that's that's pretty much yeah, how this exactly. one started since, since you since you since you just you just gave out that you listened to podcast are there any dc any of the do you listen to any of the dc fan uh, podcasts do you, do, you, do you check those out on your drive? You can say no, it's okay. But this is a feed the ego moment for me. <laughs> I do not. I do not. No, I do not. Um, I actually don't listen to any American podcasts other than the news. It's all German. Um, it's, it's strange, but uh, I don't know. I feel like this is the one time where I can really just sit in the car and listen to some German mm-hmm. other than speaking to my family. Um, so I've, I've listened to that one, the most popular one, and I listened to um, the Tony Cross brothers, like the Cross brothers, Tony and, and, and his brother, they have a podcast and Mats Hummels and his brother, they have a podcast. So I usually listen to those. And whenever I commute with Ross, he's not a, not a big podcast guy. So I can't, you know, he likes, <laughs> he likes his music. So I can't put the podcasts on that. <laughs> we got to keep working on you guys. We keep getting you on the show. We've got to get you into the, the podcast ecosystem. Particularly <laughs> I don't know with we the want commute. that, man. I- I don't know if we want that. Like we want, I don't know if we want a player being like, oh, "Hey, do. did you hear what Ted said? Ted said you about said about you on the show." We do. That's what we do want. Um, I, we wanted to make sure we got a couple of these uh, fan questions, and we solicited, so I want to make sure we get them in. Uh, James from DCUK, I believe you were on that uh, on a show before. He wants to know how your golf game is coming along, and Ted wants to know who's the better golfer, you or Steve. <laughs> Not right now, it's you because Steve's not playing very much. I would assume at the moment. Yeah, he is. even even last year, I think it was still me. Um, my golf game is coming <laughs> around uh, pretty good. I want to say, obviously, I'm not playing a ton uh, with the baby and, and with training and stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> I know that feel also. The yeah, clubs are getting a little whenever, dusty. Whenever I can get out, I I, um, I will, but it's not too often. But it's okay. It's it's fun, you know. That's all that matters. It's a way to get away. It's a way to kind of forget everything else for for three to four hours and and then um you know just just shut off and, and have some fun and uh joe debrotas wants to know uh who your soccer idol was as you were coming up what was your who's your favorite player when you were a kid it was uh boston schweinsteiger um it was uh yeah it's, it's interesting because i remember the world cup in in, in 06 in germany um you know i was 13 at that time uh, and before then, I didn't really, I mean, Messi, you know, you have Messi, you have Xavi, I love Barcelona. Um, but then Boston Schweinsteiger kind of emerged in that in that World Cup, and he kind of became my guy. 
um, ever since then. And then being able to play against him and kind of meet him and talk to him um, was was so special and, and unbelievable, though, honestly. 06 World Cup was when I, when I started watching and paying attention to soccer. I was a little bit older than 13, though. Uh, but Michael Ballack was my was my guy. He was he was the guy that brought yeah. me into him and Zidane and, and 06 were were something. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's right. and then Joe Joe also wants to know the best might be a little bit. He wants to know what the best and worst parts are of away match travel. And also, I think it's it's changed, right? I think you guys are uh, for for COVID for COVID reasons, you were taking charters for a while. Has that changed now? Are you guys back to no back to freight? Right now, we're still on still on COVID. Um, uh, still on charters. Sorry. Um, some of those COVID <laughs> protocols. Yeah, I, I hope they're going to continue for a, another few months, but uh, we'll see. I think they're I think they're confirmed through July, and then we'll kind of. It'd see. be hard to pull that back. They're going to have some pissed off players, and they pull those back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, the the worst and, and best part he's asking about travel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, the worst part now is is leaving my daughter. <laughs> you know, I think she's awesome, and spending a lot of time with her, obviously. Um, and especially if they're night games, uh, if we have night games away, which we do a lot, um, that's, that's difficult to sit in the hotel all day and then come home at like 2 AM, um, and then be able to get up in the next morning when, when the baby wakes up too. So that's probably the worst part. Um, and the best parts, I don't know when you win on the road, <laughs> right? <I don't> know. <laughs> you know, it's hotel, kind of, hotel food. It, yeah. yeah it's kind <laughs> of, that makes it all worth it. You know, if right. you go there and you win the game, like we did in Miami, that was just a fun trip, but you have a good, you know, a good feeling in the locker room afterwards, especially when you have, a, we had a break coming up. So we were all kind of, you know, relieved and didn't think about the next game. We're just, you know, having a good time. And, and that's, that's kind of what makes it all worth it. And that's certainly the best part. So away trips when you don't win on really that much fun. <laughs> I, I, I would say that, that, that goes double for fans too. Away trips are much more fun when you can, when yeah, you can come out with sure. wins. Um, even though, even though I, I still say the best when I went, I, I went up for Richmond to watch them play Philly in the open cup, uh, the kickers, the lower division team, and they got pasted five, nothing, but it was the most fun because we were like the loudest people in like an empty stadium. So th- th- <laughs> those go. moments, those, those moments could certainly be fun. All right, yeah. Julian, uh, thank you so, so, so much for joining us, uh, spending some time uh, talking with us. Uh, anything you want to plug? I know we got your, we got your podcast, uh, but is there anything else? You, I know you're on social, uh, so feel free to plug, plug whatever you'd like. Yeah, simple. I mean, social is everything at Julian Gressel, um, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. I feel like I've never really gotten to experience the full fan base of DC United. So I feel like I've been missing out a bit, you know, and, and I certainly want to want to kind of make that right uh, this year where now if we get all the fans back and, um, you know, I want to certainly connect like I like I connected with the fan base in Atlanta and I'd, I'd love that. So um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an open guy in that sense. I, I love the fans and, and that's why I play. So um, I really want to want to kind of uh, give you guys good moments on the field and uh, yeah. But then other than that, I mean the podcast, you know, we do it for you guys and, and for the fans and uh, for you guys to give a give give a look at you know kind of what it's like for us, what, what our takes are on things. So give it a listen, like you said, at C Soccer Podcast um, or C Soccer Pod, I think on the on the social media accounts and. It's the Soccer Podcast everywhere else uh, on Spotify, you know, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can listen to podcasts. So um, that'd be cool if you can follow that as well and uh, and hear me uh, much more often. But I appreciate coming on and, and thanks for having me. If you're going to listen to one yeah. English language, language podcast, Sea Soccer Podcast, if you're going to listen to two, 
try this one also. So that's the, that's right. I think that's that's right. not not you, not your listeners. Just in case the other listeners are like you that are very <laughs> concentrated, they only listen to your podcast. We'll spread it out. But thanks for coming right. on. We really appreciate it, and we'll trust us. The fans are looking forward just as much to having everybody full, uh, getting some wins, and and sort of just having it be like normal, like the old days. That's right. Me too. Thanks, guys. All right, Julian, thank you so much for joining us, guys. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Check us out, patreon.com slash Refugees, twitter.com slash Refugees. Obviously, you'll uh, enjoy the podcast, and we will catch you guys uh, probably on Thursday where we'll be previewing uh, the game against Inter-Miami, and I will be making my triumphant return to Audi Field. Very much looking forward to that. Catch you guys later. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.